0: Hey everyone, this is Brian, this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Hey, I'm working on a couple of interviews, and there's a couple interviews coming up that are really going to be great ones. Uh, But in the meantime, I thought I would read to you a couple of paragraphs from a memoir that I'm writing, which I was prompted to write by a very close friend of mine. And this chapter is called Rock Hounding. My grandmother, my mother's side, Grandma Lita, or Grandma O, as we called her, taught me a lot of things, and maybe the best of all, was to be a rock collector. She also taught me about fishing. When I was little, maybe five or so, she lived next door to a rock hound. I can't remember his name, maybe it was Bud. When Bud went rock hunting, he'd give Grandma O anything that really didn't interest him. And Grandma O would give me the ones that didn't interest her. Sounds like by now that all the good ones would be gone, but they, they weren't. Eventually, I'd go through them too. They were real keepers. At some point, mom told me I should start a rock garden on the hill in our backyard for rocks that weren't quite good enough to stay in the collection. But there were a lot of rocks I really didn't want to keep. They just didn't make the cut. Now, When I went through, mom would go out on the back porch and throw those rocks up onto another part of the hill. This is really funny. She'd throw a rock and then quickly duck under the safety of the roof porch. She couldn't throw very well, and sometimes rocks would go straight up in the air, so she had to duck back under for safety. Now, I don't ever recall if I went rock hunting with Grandma O, but she really started my lifelong interest in rocks. Here's one memory, probably my earliest memory of rock hunting with a family. This was a family trip to the Florissant Fossil Beds in Colorado. Fossil beds were about to be turned into a national monument, and people clamored to the site to collect a few fossils before it was too too late. This had been before 1969, since that's when it became a national monument. The fossils were formed when a nearby volcano erupted millions of years ago, placing layers of ash over the lake and trapping any life that existed. The most common fossils were leaves, but there were more. I worked and worked, but found very little of any real interest. One little boy younger than me was bored and he was looking at pieces of shale that other people had already sorted through. I remember that he found a fish fossil. I don't remember if that made him happy, but it sure made me look harder, but I still really had no great luck at that. A few leaves and stems, and I still have those. When I was a little older, my family took a vacation to Uray in southwestern Colorado. Uray is beautiful. It's called the Switzerland of the Rockies. John Wayne movie, True Grid, had just been filmed there. That film was released in 1969, so I was about nine years old. Almost everywhere in town had beautiful quartz crystals either on display or for sale. My dad secretly bought me one for a birthday gift. It was beautiful. It's gone now, stolen by some renters who forced open a locked closet door in a home that we owned. Yeah, thanks guys. Anyway, Dad asked one of the rock... (laughs) Sorry, I'll edit that out in the final take. Hey Tim, don't forget to edit that part out, okay? Anyway, Dad asked one of the shop owners how we might be able to find some of those crystals on our own. He was told we should walk along some of the stream beds, which we did. We found a lot of quartz crystal clusters, but they'd been worn down quite a bit from the stream sediment over the years, but it was still fun to find something. I used the same basic approach two decades later during the summer of 1989, shortly after the birth of my daughter, Stephanie. That summer, I was away from home, watching after a tailings facility expansion construction job. The job was in Silverton, Colorado, not too far from Uray. During that job, I'd have a few days off and I'd explore the backcountry. There you had so many roads, old and new, many from defunct mines and trails going to prospects. On one outing, I came across a bull moose with three cows with him. I took a few photographs of the group, but later I inadvertently opened the back of the camera and exposed the film. Damn. Anyway, back to the story. I was just walking along a road one day, enjoying the fresh mountain air and scenery. I spotted a few pieces of quartz crystal lying along the road. I gazed up the slope and decided to ascend the steep hillside. A few hundred feet up the treacherous slope, I came across a bedrock outcrop and began examining it. After a short while, I saw just what I'd been looking for. Loads of quartz crystals just waiting for me. For days and days, I carefully harvested the beautiful pieces. Many were larger, multifaceted crystals, and some were tiny clusters that remind me of porcupines, and there were some that were in between. I could never wait to get some time off to gather more. During all of my time there that summer, I never found another site that was so amazing as that. During another work trip, I happened across an altogether different find. This time, I was on a site investigation trip in South Dakota. We were investigating a new site for a potential tailings facility, and we were basically drilling in a cattle pasture. The vegetation was pretty lush and the cattle were happy. I think it was early fall, I remember that the mornings were pretty chilly. At one point during the site investigation, things were going really slowly with the drilling and I decided to find a comfortable place to sit for a while, safely away from the drill rig. I sat there and placed my hands on the ground behind me, reclining back. Over the sounds of the drill rig, I heard a slight rattling noise. I almost thought nothing of it, but I looked around, and there, within a few inches of my hand, was a diamondback rattlesnake shaking its tail at me. I jumped up in the fright and threw a few rocks at it to scare it away. I learned a few things from that experience. One, check around your area to make sure it's safe. 2. Snakes move really slowly when it's cold. 3. I throw rocks really poorly when I'm startled like that. Wait, this isn't a chapter about... This is a chapter about rock hunting, not snakes. I hate snakes. Rocks are way better. So, we were in a cattle pasture, and obviously you had to watch your step. There were cow pies everywhere. One day I kicked one. It was like a rock. Huh. Weird. I kicked it again. It was no cow pie, it was a rock. I had no idea what kind, but it was a rock. The more I explored, the more I found. Some large, some small, but they all had the same general appearance as a cow pie. I gathered a few and put them into my truck. The next morning I woke up knowing that I had to break one open to see what was on the inside. So, as soon as I was ready, I went to my truck and smashed one on the trailer hitch. It was unusual, but not really very impressive. It was mostly gray with light colored veins running through it. Huh just, huh. I decided that on my day off I should find a local rock shop, and I did. I took a few of these rocks inside and asked if they knew what they were. They did not know. Together we decided that one of them should be cut open like a geode. It took quite a while for that to get cut, but I amused myself by wandering around the rock shop. I've always loved rock shops. When I was young, whenever we traveled, I loved to go to the trinket shops and gaze at the tumbled stones, geodes, and whatever else they had. It fascinated me. Growing up, I loved going to Ackley's rock shop in Colorado Springs. Sadly that rock shop is gone now. When I was in college, I made a few dollars by selling them azurite, malachite, and kelly green smithsonite that I'd collected in in New Mexico. Wait, where were we? Oh yeah, South Dakota. The guy in the rock shop came out with the sliced open rock, showing me what it was. He called it a septarian, and it was gorgeous. For those who really need to know, septarians were formed millions of years ago. Due to volcanic eruptions, sea life died off. Yeah, it sounds just like the fluorescent fossil beds so far. But uh, like I was saying, the volcanic eruptions, did, uh, sea life died off and was chemically attracted to the sediment around it forming mud balls. As the ocean receded the balls dried because of the bentonite content they also shrank in size creating cracks inside of the mud balls. As the decomposed shells seeped into the cracks and the mud balls calcite crystals formed. The outer thin line of calcite formed into aragonite. The mud balls had a tendency to crack in seven points in every direction Creating a distinctive pattern. Septarians are composed of calcite, the yellow centers that fill the crack, aragonite, that's brown lines, and the gray rock is limestone. In short, they're gorgeous, like I said. Over the course of the site investigation, I accumulated lots and lots of these septarians. There are also clam fossils and crinoid stems. What an amazing find! It's now decades later, and I still have most of those septarians. I kept thinking that someday I'd have to do something with them. And if I ever had time, I'd get a rock saw and a polishing table. I'm still wondering when that time will ever come. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.